Welcome to the Highway Church Podcast. We're excited that you would join us today and hope you're encouraged by the message you hear. If you'd like to know more, visit our website, highway.com.au. That's a powerful name. It is a name that saves the lost and heals the sick. It is a name that has changed your life and mine today. May that alone, may that alone just stay with us today. Throughout your week, throughout your year, that there is no other name that is more powerful than the name of Jesus Christ. Amen. Amen. Mighty. Hey, let's get straight into the word this morning. It's very nice always to be with you. And uh, it's been a little while since I've had the privilege to be able to share something from the word with you on a Sunday morning. As you know, we've been here, there and everywhere the last little five, six weeks of time. So it's very nice to be back on home soil and to see some uh, very friendly faces. So good to be with you in the room. I want to share that very simple title of this word today. I've called it Faith Is. Faith Is. Do you like that? I do too. Faith Is dot dot dot. And uh, that's the title of today's message. And sometimes when it comes to this area of faith... It's hard, isn't it, sometimes to put a real definition to it or to put a real explanation to it. But all of us, I'm sure, understand the significance and the importance of what it is to live and walk by faith. We are people that live by faith and not by sight, not by feelings all the time, but we walk by faith. Our trust and our confidence is in God. And I'm sure you, like me, could tell a thousand different stories of just what it's been like for you to see, um, you know, a life of faith and how you've seen situations turn around for good. And that God has a plan that he can make your life better. And even though there may have been things that have come your way, a life of faith has this somehow this atmosphere around about your life that can turn things out for good. And we can all tell a thousand different stories of situations that have changed because God did something. And I want to share just a very simple thought with you today that faith works. Real faith, real faith works. And I want to share some things with you this morning because When real faith goes to work, God starts to work on your behalf to bring about the will and the plans of God for your life. So together this morning, with your help and your encouragement, I want to try and unravel, if I can, a little bit about what faith is in our lives, and we'll see how we go. The other night, we had dinner with some people that we know very well. And sometimes at the dinner table, you know, stories run to and fro across the table as they do. Everyone tells a story about this and a story about that. And inevitably, the stories went to some trips and some places where they've stayed, some accommodation places where they've stayed. And I could tell you two horror, three horror stories of some accommodation places we stayed, but I don't have time today to go into that. But it was the worst of the worst of the worst of the worst of the worst. Whatever your worst is, I think I can times it by at least three. And it was one of those experiences. Anyway, across the table were these 
uh, stories of accommodation places where these people had stayed in and during the night they thought the fan was going to drop on their head and, you know, all kinds of terrible things. Things crawling all over the place and, you know, windows that banged and a door that wasn't secure and it's a long story. But anyway, in the middle of the night, this wife just pipes up in the darkness and says to her husband, I don't belong here. I just don't belong here. And even though we told the story in a slightly humorous way because I could relate to one or two of the stories that they were talking about, the truth of the matter is that when Jesus comes into your world, into your life, there are things, there are places and even conversations that we just do not belong in. We might have belonged once, but we don't belong now. Why? Because this Jesus that we've been worshipping this morning comes and changes your life. And when he comes in, everything changes. Everything changes. And so we grow past things and we move past things. and We've got a different mindset about things. We've got a different heart attitude about things. And there are things right now that you might be trying to belong to, but if Jesus working in your life, you will never belong there again. You will never belong there again. And I want to go into a story this morning, and I've called this Your Damascus Road. Your Damascus Road. In the book of Acts, there's a man there called Saul. And this man, Saul, according to Acts, is a man who hated the church. He persecuted those that who belonged to it and uh, arrested those that belonged to it. And so his whole life's agenda was about putting an end to the church. That didn't work, did it? Here we are in 2023 and we're gathering in this place. We are the church. So it didn't work. And anyway, his whole life's agenda... Uh, was about putting an end to the church uh, from growing. And we're brought into this little moment in in Saul's life in Acts chapter 9, verses 3 to 6. I'll read it for you and it'll go on the screen. And it says, As he neared, neared Damascus on his journey, suddenly a light from heaven flashed around him and he fell to the ground and he heard a voice say to him, Saul, Saul, why do you persecute me? Who are you? Lord, Saul asked, I am Jesus, whom you are persecuting. He replied, now get up and go into the city and you'll be told what you must do. Who knows, that's a day you'd never forget, right? We know that this was Saul's Damascus Road experience. A man who strongly opposed the preaching of the gospel. A man who strongly opposed the church. And he's in this situation, this moment of his Damascus road, and he would never forget that road or that time or that experience for the rest of his life. No matter what life unfolded from that point on, he could always refer back to that Damascus road and say, that was the moment right there where my life was altered forevermore. Absolutely everything changes in his life. It's undeniable. It's hard to explain. When you have an encounter with God, how do you explain that to somebody else? All you know is that something has changed. Something has changed. And he's on the road to Damascus. And I love these, this little explanation and illustration. It says that Saul's on his journey. 
He's on his journey. Saul's on his journey under his ways, his thoughts, his plans, his agenda. And then suddenly, a suddenly moment happens and God moves suddenly upon Paul's life and intercepts and changes and rearranges his life, his journey, and Saul is never the same man again. Who knows that when God enters your life, you're never meant to be the same. If you're still the same, I would say you've still got to meet the Lord. You've still got to meet the Lord. Saul's on his journey. And he's on his way to Damascus to put an end to the church. And God interrupts his life. He's, and he does end up in Damascus. And he does end up in Jerusalem. But not to put an end to the church. To now preach the gospel and to expand the church. Who knows that? No one is too hard for God to reach. There may be people today in your world that you're praying for that hate the church, hate the gospel, don't want to know about the Bible, say, I'm an atheist, I'm this, that, and the other thing. Who knows that a suddenly can happen in their lives as well? Suddenly moments, may they come over and over and over again. So at what point does faith become real? At what point do we start to believe that God is real? And I would suggest to you that it begins on your Damascus road. Because we're not operating out of human ascent. It's the faith of God that enters our lives. You are not on this journey alone, just trying to make it happen and tough it up and Let's just see if we get to the other side of this thing. When God enters your life, he enters your life. And you and I today have the faith of God. So I know we don't all have a testimony like Saul's, but many of, in, of us in this room today would remember at what point or where you were, maybe the year, maybe the day, maybe the hour, Maybe the church meeting you were in, maybe you were at home, maybe you were in your car, maybe you were at a crusade or a conference somewhere, but most of us aren't in this room today and at home would remember that point where it was your Damascus Road. Our Damascus Road, as we've told this story many times over, was 70 Sallow Street, Alexandria Hills, not a church service like this one where we just knelt down on a timber floor and something happened that day. Something happened that day. We didn't see bolts of lightning or heavens opening or noises or anything, but all I can tell you is at that point something shifted in here. Something changed in here. We were on our way to live our life, our way with our plans, our thoughts, our desires, and all I can tell you is that our suddenly came at 70 Sallow Street, Alexandra Hills. God can show up anywhere. He's not confined to four walls. He is not confined. Neither is he limited. Neither is his arm so short that it cannot save even someone who is a persecutor of the church and wants to oppose the gospel. Who knows the Bible tells us that the gates of hell can come, but they will not prevail. Your prayers matter. Faith is saying yes. 
Faith is saying yes. Saul, who would later we know was renamed to Paul, the Apostle Paul, would meet a man called Ananias. And Ananias plays an important part in Saul's life and in Saul's story because Ananias was sent to pray for Saul. Now you might think what a simple thing to do, but not so simple because Saul, as you know, had a reputation. He had a reputation of being a hater of the church, hater of people who believed. He, he was a man who had no time whatsoever for people back then or people like you and I. And we'll read about it in Acts chapter 9, verse 10. It says, in Damascus, there was a disciple named Ananias. And the Lord called him in a vision, Ananias, and Ananias answered, yes, Lord, yes, Lord. What happens in this vision, just to abbreviate this a little bit, is that, as I mentioned, um, Ananias is called to go and pray for this man, Saul. Why? Because God wanted to restore his sight. And I tell you, God is still restoring sight today. For those that are blind to the reality of Jesus Christ as King and King, King of Kings and Lord of Lords, God is able to restore and open up blind eyes today, not just physically, but spiritually. And Ananias hears about, he said, but Lord, he said, I've heard about this man. I've heard about this man. He has a reputation of doing harm to your people. And the Lord said this to him, he said, and I love this, get this, he says, I've set him apart. And I've set him apart so he can proclaim my name. And when I just kind of sat on that little thought right there, I want you to be encouraged that there may be people today that you're praying for that are going about life their way, their agenda They hate what you stand for. They hate who you call upon. But even while Saul was the hater of the church, God has got a plan for Saul and said, I've got need for this man. I'm about to set him apart. He will proclaim my name. That's why you and I need to keep on praying and not lose heart. Because you don't know even in this room who God is, you know, who God has just laid you upon their heart to pray for. We've got a testimony like that. We've got many testimonies like that, but this one, this one testimony you've heard about a few times. But, um, you know, as you know, I wanted to go back to live in Western Australia and it seemed the obvious place to be. That was my place of birth and it's kind of where I grew up until this Queensland man entered my life. Yeah. <laughs> And everything changed from that point on. My life's never been the same since. And um, we'll leave that for another day. But back in WA and, uh, you know, setting up plans, setting up a future, part of the church, about to buy land, build a house. We've got a house back here that we've sold at Alexandra Hills, the house that we got you know, we accepted Jesus in and Byron had to come back and clean it out, which I think back now in great horror. What was the state of that house when the new people moved in? I, I just, I kept perfect, he says. I, I just know different, but we'll leave that because it was a long time ago now. I've just got to move on and wipe the dust off my feet there. But he comes back, he signs the legal documents and then goes off to a church service before flying back to Perth. And while he's in this church service... 
He hears the audible voice of God, and he says the first time in his life that he hears the audible voice of God, and God says to him, you are to pack up everything and go back to Queensland and go to Bible college. I'm in Western Australia. Who knows it's going to take a miracle of God to change my mind. (laughs) All I can say is that God spoke to me while I'm there, and he's here, and I knew that we had to pack up and come back. But while all of these months are going by that we're over there, there's a woman back here that God puts it upon her heart to pray for Anne and Byron because their future is here. So while we're making plans over here in the West, build, buy, settle, put down the stake in the ground, there's a woman back here that God is laying upon her heart, pray for them because their future's here. In in a way, I've got need for them back here. And so all the months she's praying, we're planning until he comes back to sign the paperwork, goes to church, hears the audible voice of God. We pack up, we cross the Nullarbor in our yellow 120Y Datsun, It was a beauty. Don't you worry about that. It had no radio, no air conditioning. It flies buzzing through the car, but we did the trek across the Nullarbor. Why? Just to obey the voice of God that said, come back, and the rest is history. But you don't know who God will have praying for you. Why? Because God has need for you. He has need for you. And I didn't know she was praying until many months later when we came back, and I thought, You're the reason. You're the reason right there. So this man, Ananias, is sent to Saul to pray for him. And he goes afraid because Saul has a reputation. But even though he's afraid, he says, yes, Lord. How many times have you and I said, yes, Lord, even though I go a little timid? I go a little afraid. I go a little bit with trepidation and uncertainty. I don't know where this yes will take me, but irrespective of how I feel or how I see or where my emotions are at or my limitations are at or my deficiencies are at, I say, yes, Lord, because your word is higher than mine. That's faith. That's what faith is. Faith is saying yes, even though you're afraid. Faith is knowing that God's ways will turn out better than yours. Far better than yours. Faith is a lifestyle. It's not just a Sunday thing when we all go to church and we we look okay on a Sunday. Faith is a lifestyle when it's good and when it's not, when it's up and when it's down when it's working and when it's not working. That's the reason that I can say access is denied, which Dan preached about last Sunday night, such a great word. That's the reason I can say access is denied. Why? Because I've said yes to the yes of the yes of God, the greater things in God, and say access is denied to things that have got no God in them. So you and I have been invited into the greatest story that's ever come to mankind. And I think sometimes we take that for granted. I think sometimes we overlook that. I think sometimes we miss just how powerful that is, that Jesus did come to save the lost. Even a man called Saul who hated the church. You know, he came to save the lost. That's the reason that Jesus came. In a few weeks' time, we'll be here on a Sunday morning. Our Christmas Day service will be the Sunday 
the 25th of December, and we will celebrate the birth of Jesus Christ. And the birth of Jesus Christ started you and I on a journey until eventually he would go to the cross. And obviously we mattered enough for him to come and to follow through. This Damascus Road experience, you can never discount anyone and how God will go about that. What is faith is the substance of things hoped for and things not seen. The book of Hebrews 11 talks to us about what faith is. Faith is the substance. Faith is the confidence. Faith is the title deed that makes all the difference. So you can have the best of everything. You can have the best house, the best car, for those that are fortunate enough to have a boat, God bless you. Um, You know, you can have the best of everything, but if you have no faith, but you've still got the best of everything, then we've got nothing. We've got nothing. You can have absolutely nothing at all, or you can lose everything, but if you've got faith, then you know how to get back what's been lost. You know how to call things your way. You know how to call those things that don't exist today, but they will somewhere down the road. That's the difference of faith. Why? Because faith is a seed that starts to get planted. It starts to grow. It starts to produce. And it starts to bring about fruit that remains all the days of your life, not just on one little occasion, but what you learn in that time of accepting the faith of God, putting the faith of God into operation, putting the word of God, you know, appropriating that and living a life of faith produces fruit and changes in your life. That is undeniable. How can I explain it? I don't know. All I know is that it works. It just works for the people that hear it and do it. Faith is having a confidence and knowing that the word of God is your title deed. Why is it that David, I often refer to him because it just, it still amazes me. Why is it that David, when he lost, I mean, he loses everything, everything. He loses Everything he owns, he loses his family, he loses his children. They, the Philistine army come in, take absol- just pillage everything, takes absolutely everything. How do you rise up from the ashes of that? Where do you find the courage and the strength to go forward when you've lost everything? The pain of loss is massive. We've all experienced pain on one level or another, but the pain of loss is massive. I heard someone say this last week, and I'll repeat it because it's worthy to be repeated, that pain is inevitable, but suffering is a choice. Suffering is optional. When you don't have faith, then all you have is pain. When you don't have faith, all you can do is go down memory lane of that pain and the losses. But David does not wallow in the pain. What does he do? And I can tell you very clearly, number one, he turns his face toward God. Number two, he opens up his mouth and he prays. Number three, he goes out and pursues what what has been lost, knowing that his confidence is God, that I can get back what's been taken. And number four, the result is he does recover everything and he rejoices in the goodness and the favor of God upon his life. 
That's David. Faith and works go together. They run together. That's why you can have no money. I could tell many a story right now of what you can do with no money, but you've got faith. Knowing that you call upon the economy of heaven and not what your wage. You know, when we started work, we used to, some of you in my vintage would understand. Remember the little pay packet envelope? And there was $19.21 in it. Remember that? And then I got a pay increase up to $21. Then I got a pay increase up to $50. I know, it is a wow, still a wow. But who knows, when you live by faith, you're not restricted to that little pay envelope, even though it's not done that way these days. You live under a different economy because your focus and your faith is upon in a different place. That's why you can have no other source, no, no family inheritance, but you've learned how to plant the word of God and grow the word in your own life and put that word to work through confession and through praise and through trust and through confidence and paying attention to what God has said over your life and you can go from nothing into something. What is the difference? Faith. Why was it so important at this incredible, critical time in Joshua's life? In my favorite book in the Bible is the book of Joshua. I just, I can, you know, the day will come when I'll meet that guy. I think you're my hero right there. But this important leadership time in Joshua's life, Moses is gone. Moses is dead. The previous leader's gone. Joshua's time is here. And he goes into the land that was promised to them. And you see that there is a great promise ahead of them. Many carry a promise, but many don't know how to possess it. Joshua is told how to possess the promise that is before them. What was the word? What was the advice? What was the command that was given to Joshua at the very onset of stepping into a new day, a new era, a new chapter? Let me read a couple of verses to you, three verses to you. Joshua 1, verses 6 through to 8 says, Be strong and very courageous because you will lead these people to inherit the land that I swore to their ancestors to give to them. Be strong and very courageous. Be careful to obey all the law my servant Moses gave you. Do not turn from it to the right or to the left, that you may be successful wherever you go. Keep the book of the law always on your lips. Meditate on it day and night so that you may be careful to do everything written in it. Then you will be prosperous and successful. When did we think that we could afford to move away from that? You may be in the land of nothing today. You may be in the place of struggle. You may be in the land of loss. But if you are prepared to do it God's way, God can turn your struggle into a victory. God can turn your nothing into something. God can bring about good out of even what's happened that was unfair and unjust. He can make your way successful and your way prosperous if you are prepared to do it in his way. Faith is. 
the substance, the confidence, the title deed of what God has said over your life and it's for you and it's waiting for you. What about great faith? What about great faith? What does that look like? Well, recently, as you know, we've been in New Zealand. Uh, We had one fine day out of 21. (laughs) Thermal underwear made an appearance. Not that you needed to know that, but I thought I'd just mention it for effect, you know, just to let you know how cold it was. Lake Tarpo, we went to, we've been there a few times over. I want to show you a picture of Lake Tarpo. There it is right there. But the mountain behind with the snow on it is Mount Ruapehu. And, you know, the incredible picture here, and that only just captures just a little brief uh, story of that lake there, but that lake is actually a crater. Uh, from a massive volcanic eruption that took place. And the size of that lake is just, it is just massive. It's something like just the area surface alone is 616 um, kilometres squared. Its it's impact is everywhere. It's It's still to this day an active volcano but sleeping. It's, it's asleep. I just checked on that when I was there. Is that thing alive or dead or sleeping? Where, where's it at, you know? And they said, oh, it's just sleeping. In other words, it's active. It's just sleeping. But it reminded me of the church and the times when we've allowed our own faith to go to sleep, where the faith of God in us is so active. It's so active, but sometimes it falls asleep. And it reminded me of just what could the impact be, what could the results be, what could the changes be if we were to allow the church to allow our own faith to be awakened and walk in the confidence of God and looking to the author of our faith, looking to the one who perfects our faith. Is it not time for the church to arise and even arise in great faith? Again, to be awakened in our faith, the centurion in Matthew chapter 8, verse 10, when the centurion's servant was sick, Jesus said, I'll go pray for him. And the centurion said to Jesus at that time, just say the word. Just say the word and my servant, your servant will be healed. And Jesus said to this centurion at the time, he said, in all of Israel, I've never seen such great faith. And at that very moment, the centurion back at the, the centurion servant back in the house was healed. Who knows, if we just learn to say the word, if we just learn to speak the things of God, your faith today may be small. It doesn't matter if it's small as long as it's growing. It may be, it's grown some, but it's increasing May there be ever-increasing faith in the body of Christ. If not with us, then who? We are the church. Nothing is impossible with him. God is ready to do great things. What if our faith grew to such a point like, like Lake Tarpo back there that there was an eruption of faith in the people of God? That great faith starts to produce great things. Last thought this morning is this, and then we're going to pray. What is the currency of heaven? You go to New Zealand or any other nation on the world and they've got their own currency. These days everyone pays by credit card, I get all that. But, you know, if you want to buy something with cash, every nation on this earth has its own currency. But what is the currency that heaven recognises? 
It's faith. Faith is the currency of heaven. Faith is what God recognizes. It's not our perfections because there are none. It is not what we've achieved or accomplished or accumulated. It is faith. But what you've accomplished through faith, God recognizes. Just say the word and my servant will be healed. You see, it takes more than wanting and wishing. It takes more than hoping and dreaming. Hope is the rope, but faith is the currency. Chapter 11 of Hebrews is dedicated, dedicated to people throughout time that were all commended for something. And the thing that they were commended for was not how they looked, not what they wore, neither what they owned. They were commended for their faith. In chapter 12 of Hebrews, we so often know chapter 11, but we forget about chapter 12. And chapter 12 says that today we are surrounded by a great list of people who live their lives by faith. So therefore, for people like you and I that are on the earth today, Throw off everything that hinders. Throw off everything that entangles. Why? Because there is a race that is set before us in our time, our now, our today, that God has marked out for you. Fixing our eyes upon Jesus, who is both the pioneer and the perfecter of our faith. Stay away from the swamps and marshes because you'll get entangled there. Think about this as I close. Big doors swing on small hinges. God is about to open up some big doors, some really big doors, both over your life, our families, our church. There are some big doors about to open up, but it takes the hinge and the hinges of faith. How does faith grow? How does it become established? How does it take root? How does it produce fruit that remains? It comes by hearing and hearing from the Word of God. Romans 10, 17 tells you that. But it's time, church, to oil the hinges in your own life. To allow the power and the presence of the Holy Spirit to oil those hinges of faith and to allow faith to grow all over again, to open up some big doors. There are things waiting ahead in your future that you have not stepped into nor discovered yet, but it's going to take a journey with God to get there. Let there be in this new day, and we are in a new day, a new season, a new chapter. Let there be an eruption of faith in the house of God because if it's not here, then where? Then where? Let the hinge of faith open up some doors and it takes a heart that says yes. It takes people that says, God, I will grow your word in my life. And we want to pray for people this morning. We've got a few minutes to spare. We can't let this service go by without giving you an opportunity and we want to pray for a couple of different things this morning. But, you know, it's time for some Damascus Road moments because it sets you off on a path toward God. 
And we want to pray for you this morning. Caleb, would you come and join me today? Or Byron, I'm not sure who's coming in this moment, but we'll close the service in a few minutes' time, but not without the most important moment in this service. And I want you just to open up your heart to the possibilities of God. And we're going to pray for those that want to surrender their lives to the Lord. God has got some suddenly things that begins you on a road to the next chapter in your life in Jesus' name. Are you ready for that? Me too. Me too. Caleb, would you come and join me? And we're going to pray for you this morning. We're going to give you a chance to accept Jesus. Thanks for joining us. We hope you enjoyed this podcast. If you'd like to get in contact with us or find out more about Highway Church, go to highway.com.au.